Thanks for listening to the Pioneer Valley Church podcast. Our hope is that what you hear encourages your faith in the way of Jesus and inspires you to participate in what God is up to in the world. God bless. You know, when Nick originally asked me to consider doing the sermon, I started thinking of different ideas that I could talk about. You know, we just recently celebrated our nation's independence, and so I was thinking, you know, we could talk about freedom and the freedom that we have in God through his son Jesus, or could talk about something inspiring, something uplifting, like love or unity. And, uh, and then Tina approached me, Nick's wife, before I could even pitch any, any of the, these ideas to her, and she said, um, hey, if you consider doing the sermon, I was hoping that you would talk about your story and your life. And I was like, oh. <laughs> All right, well, there goes my idea of an uplifting sermon. Because uh, <laughs> my life is not always fun to talk about. My, my past, even growing up, you know, when I was about four or five, uh, my mom got cancer. And uh, to, to fight the cancer, um, she had to undergo treatments like chemotherapy. And she ended up getting really sick from the chemo and um, got to a point where we weren't sure if she was going to make it. And um, I, don't, I was too young to fully understand what was going on, but I do remember spending a lot of time away from my parents. They would go out to Boston and for my mom's surgeries, and my grandparents would watch my sister and I. And, um, and I know my dad was especially worried that he might lose my mom, and so he began drinking to cope. And, uh, <laughs> I know this already got off to a dark start, so just wanted to share some good news. My mom, my mom did make a full recovery. She's, she's actually watching at home online right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. She lives out in the faraway land of the Berkshires, but uh, so it's a bit of a drive. It's a bit of a drive for her to come out here, but um, she's watching online, and she watches every Sunday, and she, she absolutely loves the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ, and uh, and I also want to give a shout out to my grandparents. If you guys are watching, just want to say how much I appreciate you and all that you did and how you've always stepped up and how you've always been there for us. Um, love you guys. And, um, so anyways, continuing on. Now I'm about five or six, and my mom is slowly starting to recover and grow stronger while my dad is starting to become more and more dependent on alcohol. And um, it eventually turned into a very strong addiction for him. And that addiction lasted most of the rest of my childhood. And uh, you know, when he, when he drank, he acted different. He would typically just come home and go straight to bed. Or um, if he did stay up, he was still distant and disconnected. And um, and then you know, as time went on, there were some other uh, challenging times that that came came up. Um, I was involved in a car accident that I was nearly killed in, and the woman who was driving passed away. And, um, and then we had some drug dealers move in across the street from us, and they started to stir up trouble with our family. And uh, they actually attacked my dad with a sledgehammer. They shot out our porch windows and one of our car windshields and tried to kidnap my sister. Just crazy stuff. But the most challenging, the hardest thing I've ever had to face was my freshman year in college. Um, I, was, I was going to a school out in Boston. It was my first time living away from home. And uh, it was about mid-October, and my parents were going to be coming to, to visit. First time I was going to see them since moving out for a parents' weekend. And, um, 
And I remember it was a Friday afternoon, I'm waiting in my dorm for a phone call from my parents to let me know that they were getting close to pick me up. And uh, I get a knock on the door from representatives from the dean's office, and they said that the dean wanted to see me. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I, I was like, it's probably about my grades because I had totally bombed a midterm in one of my math classes right before that. And I was worried that you know, the dean's probably gonna say, sorry, you're just not cutting it, and we're gonna have to, she wanted to per personally kick me out or something, but, um, but that wasn't the case. When I got there, the dean actually didn't say a word. Uh, she just handed me a phone, and on the other end of the phone was my mom, and uh, she said that before my dad could come back to pick up her and my sister to head out to Boston, he was running some errands, and uh, he was killed in a car accident. And I just remember, the world just seemed to stop spinning at that point in time, you know? Need some water. Appreciate the encouragement, thank you. And uh, yeah, so the world just seemed to stop spinning, you know? Dreams that I had were just shattered in an instant, and I would have given anything to just have one more day to, you know, tell him everything I wanted to, and, um, you know, the thing is, right before he was killed, like three or four weeks before that, um, some disciples had started studying the Bible with me. And a scripture that was read to me was Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And, uh, and it reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And, uh, you know, my dad's death, it kind of made me take a step back and ask myself, if God is so good, why would he have allowed this to happen? You know, if he truly loved me and wanted the best for me, why this? You know, where is the hope in the future in this? And I, I really wrestled with these thoughts for quite some time. Um, but the reason I'm up here sharing these things with you, it's, it's not for you to feel bad for me. Um, it's to share my journey and what I've learned from my experiences. You know, be, the truth is, we've all, we all suffer. Uh, we all experience hardship. And, uh, you know, what you're, what you're going through, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's losing a job, feeling rejected, losing a loved one, you know, they're all tough things. And, you know, I want to ask you, what is it that you're wrestling with today? You can think about that. Um, but these things, they can cause us to, look up and question God and say, like, why? Why is this happening? And, um, and people have asked me, you know, what made me stay faithful to God after everything that happened in my life? And um, in answer to their, to their question, I just wanted to share some, uh, some things that I've learned over the years that have helped me. Um, so with that, one thing has, uh, that's really helped me has been learning from and being inspired by other people in the Bible. You know, I think of people like Job, and we'll actually start reading out of Job chapter 1 if you want to start turning there. Um, but before we dive in, I just want to give some context to uh, Job's background. At the beginning of his story, he's described as being blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He also had a large number of sheep, camels, oxen, donkeys, and servants. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. And we're going to pick up in Job chapter 1, verse 13, where it reads, One day, 
when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept, swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked will I depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine? You know, I, I don't know if anyone else here does this. Maybe it's just me. But sometimes after a long day at work, a long stressful day, I'll go home and I'll watch a TV show or something where a movie where characters' lives are just super stressful and chaotic. And suddenly, my own problems, my own stress kind of starts to feel a little lighter, you know. My problems don't seem so big anymore in comparison with these fictional characters. Um, but, uh, but Job's story is like the real-life version of that for me, you know. Uh, Job, he, he lost everything. He lost his flocks, his servants, and all of his children all at once. And yet he doesn't blame God for what happened. He remains faithful to God and even praises him. In chapter 2, Job's health is afflicted, and he develops these sores all over his body. And, uh, and he continues to be faithful to God despite even that. You know, I've been able to learn a lot from Job and the way that he reacts when he's dealt a bad hand because, like I shared before, my natural reaction was to blame God. But Job doesn't allow his situation or his surroundings to determine how he views God. You know, and I, I think that this is something we all need to ask ourselves. Yeah. Do you allow your circumstances to determine what your relationship with God looks like? Regardless of what your income is, regardless of your relationship status, whatever your situation, is God still your God? Do you still trust him? Do you still believe in his goodness and believe that he loves you? And it can, it can be tough. You know, someone in the Bible who I think does a great job of this is Joseph. He was betrayed by his brothers by being thrown into an empty cistern and then sold to merchants for 20 shekels of silver, which in today's society would be the equivalent of selling him for about $200. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, let's pause right there. I've got a younger sister. A lot of you know her, Laura Beth, or LB for short. Um, and believe me, we definitely had our fair share of arguments growing up. You know, we, uh, yeah, can't imagine. <laughs> we were, uh, oh, yes, we were going behind each other's backs to get what we wanted. And, um, you know, you know how siblings are. <laughs> but, uh, but Joseph's brothers, they have a whole other kind of sibling rivalry with Joseph. You know, um, anyways, continuing on with Joseph's story. After he's sold, he's falsely accused 
of making sexual advances towards Potiphar's wife, and then he's thrown into prison. And yet he continued to serve God. God does eventually turn Joseph's life around for the better, and uh, you know Joseph's eventually released from prison. He becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man, and he's even able to mend his relationship with his brothers and helps to save countless lives from a severe famine. But when things are darkest for Joseph, he doesn't know these things. He doesn't know how God's going to use him and how God's going to turn his life around and bless him. And God doesn't do these things overnight for Joseph either. You know, I think sometimes we wish that God would change our stories overnight. I've had friends say, well, you know, I've tried turning to God to cope with my struggles, but it hasn't helped. I still feel empty and sad. And the thing is, God doesn't change what's happened to us. He doesn't go back in time and alter our past. But what he does do, in keeping with Jeremiah 29, is that he promises that he has a plan and that it is good. And if we trust that, God can work in ways that we never could have imagined, like he did with Joseph and like he did with Job. At the end of Job in chapter 42, it says, God blessed the later part of Job's life more than the former part. God ends up giving Job even more flocks than he began with, and Job has more children and lives to see their children and their children after them to the fourth generation. You know, similarly, after losing my dad, but before I was baptized, I didn't know what God had in store for me. You know, I I didn't know what the end of my story was going to look like, but I knew that whatever the outcome of my future was, it would be better with God than without him if I had given up and walked away. And so far, it has been pretty good. You know, I, <laughs> I love where I am today. I never would have imagined I'd be here. But, um, you know, here with all of you in Pioneer Valley, um, which brings me to my, to my next point, which is um, another thing that has helped me to stay faithful over the years is all of you. Um, you know, having brothers and sisters in my life who I can talk to and relate to, um, the disciples in the singles ministry in particular have been especially helpful. Uh, I think of people like my, my roommates, John and Brandon in the back, who, um, you know, they're, they're always making themselves available to talk to and, um, you know, can always make me laugh. And uh, I think of guys like Wendell and Carlos and T Money and Dave Sabotin, guys who are, you know, just ahead of me in life, um, which is a nice way of saying that they're a little bit older, but. Uh, <laughs> Just a little. No, but but they've got more experience, you know, and and they've already walked this road, and I'm able to learn a lot from them. You know, they they've had their own struggles, but it's inspiring to see that they're all still here, you know, and and they're all still serving God. And I think of the leaders of our singles ministry, Nick and Tina Macy. You know, Nick is Nick is someone who's very approachable and. Um, who I just naturally relate to and have a lot in common with. Even our past, you know, we both grew up out in the Berkshires and both went to the same college and then left Boston and came back to Pioneer Valley. Um, And, you know, I could go on and talk about so many people in this room, but, um, you know, the point is having these relationships has been helpful in so many ways. Um, And this is something that Elias has been talking about lately is being in community, you know, being connected to those around us. When we're in each other's lives, we're able to help one another. 
Romans 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. If we're living out the scripture, it's calling us to be invested in each other. It's causing us to look outward, to look at those around us and support their needs, which takes the focus off of ourselves. I've learned that when I'm not doing this and when I'm, being, when I'm not being outward focused, I'm focused on myself and my own problems. And this is when I start to have pity parties for myself, you know. And my own problems start to consume all of me, my attention, my time, my happiness, and my joy. And, um, you know, it's not until when I'm, when I'm invested in those around me and I listen to their stories and, uh, you know, it, it gives me perspective. I'm able to relate to them, and I realize that I'm not alone, yeah. and that I'm not the only one who's going through something challenging. Yeah. And here's the thing. Hard times are going to come. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. There is going to be hardship in your life. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing is, I think when I first became a disciple, I thought to myself that, you know, now I'm living for God, and he's going to be pleased with me, and um, so he'll give me kind of a break, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> and that's so not true. You know, if, if anything, following God brings on more hardship. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus tells his disciples that in this world, you will have trouble. And it's true. Since becoming a disciple, the trying times keep on coming. Even recently, I've experienced loss, broken relationships, I felt betrayed. I've had to watch my sister, Laura Beth, battle cancer. And uh, for those of you that know her, the best way to describe her, it's like she's like a monkey on a banana boat. She's just, <laughs> she's just, she's into everything and full of joy. And <laughs> yep. Full of joy, full of energy. Yes. But, uh, but seeing her battle cancer and seeing some of that energy temporarily leave her, it was, it was scary. You know, I think it was especially upsetting because, my mom's, because of my mom's history with cancer and being worried that my sister could end up just as sick or even worse. And, um, you know, my sister has also made a full recovery. Um, but... Yes, yeah, she's also watching online. Um, but the truth is, we don't know what's around the corner. As much as we may like to, we don't know what the future holds. But with God, we can have hope, no matter what comes our way. And this hope is because of Jesus, which is the third point I wanted to talk about that has helped me to stay faithful. Jesus was no stranger to suffering. It is widely believed that Joseph, Jesus' father, died before Jesus began his ministry, which on a personal level helped me to relate to Jesus. And I realized that Jesus understood my pain and what I was feeling. But Jesus was also betrayed, humiliated, beaten, and ultimately killed. He knows what it is to suffer and to have pain and to see others that he cares about suffer and to lose loved ones like Lazarus and his cousin John the Baptist. And the thing is, Jesus chose to for me and you. He could have decided, you know what, I don't, I, these people, these sinful humans, they're just not worth it, you know. They're, they're not worth suffering and dying for. And he could have walked away from it all. But to ransom us from our sins, he decided to go through with God's plan. 
he allowed himself to be born as a baby and confined to a human body, to walk this earth where there is pain and suffering, and to be crucified. We, uh, we live in a culture that has insulated itself from suffering. You know, a good example of this is a new trend on TikTok called bed rotting. And um, if you haven't heard of that, it's a, it's a bed rotting. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a trend where people just stay in bed for hours at a time, just doing things like, like browsing social media, watching movies, even eating. And uh, the idea is that they rot in bed, you know? They just, they don't get out. <clears throat> yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really just a way for people to hide away from the world. And it's a t an attempt to escape from it and disconnect. But this wasn't how Jesus lived. Jesus embraced suffering. And he invites us to participate with him in suffering. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if you skip down to verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There's a few other scriptures that are similar to that one that we just read. Um, I actually had them on the slide. There they are. Forgot, I haven't been doing my slides. Thank you to whoever's been doing those for me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> actually, I was going to say, yeah, you know what? We'll read Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, too. Um, I'd still, I'd encourage you to write all these down, go back and read them on your own. Um, we can't read all of them for time's sake, but let's read Romans together. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access to faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. In suffering, there's a gift. Just to be clear, the gift isn't the situation or the event itself that causes suffering. The gift is what gets produced in you as a result. So the next time we want to look up and ask God why, we can know that through the suffering, God is molding us and working in our lives. And that if we just cling to him and persevere, we will come out with a deeper understanding and connection and relationship to him. A relationship that cannot be taken away and will last all eternity. Thank you for just letting me share. God bless.